If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. You know I'm just kidding. Matthew chapter, I hope you know I'm just kidding. <laughs> Matthew chapter 16. It's good to see you here tonight. Got about 20 minutes here, so let's move quickly. Very familiar passage of Scripture. We're talking about the characteristics of a healthy local church. It's what we've been talking about on Wednesday nights. The characteristics of a healthy local church. It's important we're a part of church, but not just church. It's important to have a, be a part of a healthy church. A healthy church. I think every one of us can probably talk about some moments and some seasons in our lives or times in our lives that we went to a church that it wasn't healthy. It wasn't healthy. There was more drama than there was inspiration. There was more pain and, and gossip and brokenness and fraction and division than there was inspiration and, and impartation. So, so it's important not only to, be, to go to church, but it's important to be a part of a healthy church. And every church has to uh, evaluate itself and make corrections and make sure it stays healthy. Look what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, And I say unto you, Jesus is talking, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The church was Jesus' idea. It wasn't man's idea, it's Jesus' idea. He said, I will build my church. Notice he calls it his church. And it's something that must be built. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Notice that hell is going to resist anything the church does, but hell will not win or conquer if... The people operate in maturity and uh, have a healthy culture because we've seen churches where the gates of hell have prevailed against it. Every one of us know of a church that started with a great vision and ended up folding, disbanding, splitting, stopping, ceasing, running out of funds, running out of people. We all know we got a, we got a, a very generous check this week from a church that uh, just recently folded and said we, we couldn't make it go. But we had some money in the bank, and we know about Family Worship Center and heard all the good things they're doing. So we are emptying our check and account, and we want to send some money to Family Worship Center. You know, and, and my response back to them, I grieve. I'm thankful for the check. Thank you for it. Thank you for thinking about us. But I grieve that a church, the gates of hell prevailed against it. And that's not God's plan. Notice what he says. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's talking to the church here. Notice he says, uh, hell will resist it. Sat satanic forces will resist our efforts as a church. If we walk in health and stay in unity and do what's right, hell cannot defeat us. And that God, as a church, God will give us authority over things in the spirit realm that most people don't have authority over. <clears throat> it is very important to be a part of a local church. Notice he's talking to a church and he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And if we're not a part of a good, local, healthy church, we don't have those keys. Those keys are available to people, uh, to the church. Not to individuals who don't go to church. Not to Christians who think they don't need church. The keys of the kingdom are available. The whole subject here is the church. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So being a part of a good, healthy, local church opens the doorway 
for spiritual power and strength that you cannot have as an individual on your own. The word church is used two ways in the New Testament. We talked about this last week. The church is God's family in two locations, heaven and earth. Since we as Christians don't die, our bodies cease to exist, but the real you, the man on the inside, we don't die. Once you get in the church, once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're always a member of the church. For an eternity, you're a member of the church. You just might become a part of the, the uh, universal church, not the local church. When, you, when your body dies, you're still a part of the church, but you're in a part of the church in a different location. You're part of the invisible or the universal church. All born-again believers, regardless of time and space, are part of that church. The universal church is physically separated, <clears throat> but spiritually connected. My grandparents, who knew the Lord and have been gone to be with the Lord many years now, they're still a part of the church. They're part of the heavenly church. We are physically separated, but we're spiritually connected. The faith that they had was passed down to me. So we're spiritually connected. So understand that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily strips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that has been set before us. These witnesses here, he's referring to heavenly witnesses. He's not referring to the person next to you. He's referring to heavenly witnesses. This kind of gives us indication that people in heaven, people who have gone on before us, have some kind of understanding of what we're doing down here. Notice it says we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. We don't know. You can't get in the ditch on this. The Bible doesn't say what they know about, what about our lives they know about. People make up all kind of stuff, but it's purely speculation because the Bible doesn't say. But the Bible gives us indication that there are some things that happen in our life of faith that those loved ones that we've had to go on to be with the Lord, they are aware of it. All right? We have no idea. So, you know, don't get in the ditch on this, what they know and what they don't know. But we do know they know some things. Even though we're physically separated, we are spiritually united to them through our relationship with our Father through Jesus Christ. So you got the invisible church, then you got the visible church. The visible church, the church you can touch, see, and connect with physically. We are the visible church. The invisible church is the ones on the other side. We are the invisible or the visible church. The word church, I shared this with you last week, is used 118 times in the Greek New Testament. Only 14 times is it used to describe the universal or invisible church, the one including the people on the other side. The remaining 104 references are speaking about the local church. 118 times the word church is used in the Bible. Church is very important to God. Satan hates the church. And one thing we need to remember, hell cannot stop it, and the church has the keys to the kingdom. The church has the keys to the kingdom. So remember how powerful the church is. We started talking about the seven characteristics of a healthy church. Number one, the healthy church is lo local. The healthy, to be a part of a healthy church, you've got to be a part of a local church. I talk to people in this city 
all the time. I, I hear it quite frequently in this city. I'll say, uh, uh, are you, they'll find out I'm a pastor, so they want to talk spiritual. Once they find out you're a pastor, they want to get spiritual. So we talk, and I'll get to talk to them. Well, where where you go to church? Well, I go to church, and and uh, and they'll mention some TV preacher. Had one recently say, "Well, I I'm a I uh, I attend uh, Joel Osteen's church." I said, "Really? Really? When was the last time you was out there? Oh, four years ago." <laughs> well, you're not in a church. You gotta you gotta you gotta you have to be connected. The first thing about the healthy church is that you can see it, you can touch it, you can connect with it. That means it has to be near where you live. It has to be near where you live. Every believer need to discover the place near them where they can participate in God's church. We can have a a, a love for Joel Osteen. I love him. He's a friend of mine. Uh, I love him. I love his church. I loved his church when his daddy had it, and when he was just a TV man. Uh, I loved. It. I love. Uh, I love John Hagee. I love John Hagee. I. I love. Uh, uh, what's the Church of God boy? Who? Who? Paul Meyer. Yeah, Paul Meyer. Yeah, right there. There he is. There he is. Well, who's the Church of God boy? Who's the Church of God boy that does on TV all the time? Perry Stone, Dr. Stone, Dr. Stone. Uh, I, I love that guy. I, I love that guy. I love, I, love, I love churches, and I like Christ Church. I love Christ Church. I was at a church last night in Clarksville ministering, and, 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 and about 3,000. I love that church. It's a great church, great pastor. But I'm not a part of it. We can love, we can love TV ministers. We can love radio ministers. We can love these great people in these churches. And, one, and we can have an admiration for them and love them. But we're not a part of them. And to have a, being a part of a healthy local church, it's got to be something you can touch and feel and connect with. And every one of us, every Christian needs to be a part of a local church. And if, if you moved away from here and, and you say, well, there, there is no church like our church, family worship center. But the truth of the matter is, wherever you move, you can have an appreciation for this church, but you need to be a part of a church near you where you can use your gifts and talents for the glory of God. So the, the healthy church is local. Acts 4.23, the disciples says, this is when Peter and John got out of uh, being threatened for healing the lame man at the Cape Call Beautiful. And being let go, notice what it says. They went to their own companions. They went to their own companions. One translation says, the King James says, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Notice when they got threatened, they had a group to go to. A lot of times people get in trouble, they don't have a local church. I don't know what people do that doesn't have a local church when tragedy hits their life. We all need local companions, local brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because it's not a matter if tragedy is going to happen. It's not a matter if difficulty is going to rise. It's a matter of when it's going to happen. And when that happens, because we live in a fallen world, when that happens, we need a local church. We need brothers and sisters. We need brothers and sisters. Now, let's just get real raw here. A lot of people have gotten offended at the church because the church didn't run to help them. But you know, you reap what you sow. Let's get real raw here. A lot of people expect the mercy of the church to help them 
instead of them automatically being a recipient of seed that they've sowed in other people's lives. And the church will rise up at time, but the church doesn't have unlimited mercy. It's not like God. It doesn't have unlimited mercy. But there is a responsibility inbred in all of us that when one of our own who have been a part of our journey, when they're in trouble, we want to run and help them in their time of trouble. So be sure that you're a part of a local church and you're not only just consuming, but you're also a productive member of the church. You're helping others when they're in need because there's coming a time when you're going to be in need as well. The healthy church, number two, is a community of regenerated people. That's what the church is. You've got to be born again to be in the church. You've got to be born again to be in the church. We have churches in this city, unfortunately, they don't even know what the terminology born again is. It's just my granddaddy was a member of that, my grandparents was a member of that, now I'm a member of this. It has nothing about regeneration or salvation or transformation. Well, that's okay. You can call that a church if you want to, but that's not what God calls a church. The local church is more than property. It's more than buildings and a parking lot. It is not a social club. It's not an educational center, although it's great for fellowship and social things. It's great for training and understanding and education. It's not just a nonprofit organization or relief agency, although the church should do that and help the community, and we do that all the time. We must understand the basic premise of the church, the church is a community of people who have been born again by faith in Jesus and called together in loving fellowship. Simply attending services does not make you part of the faith community. I have a lot of people nowadays that just attend. We have people every week, we hear this every week, your church is too big, your church is too big. We hear that. Your church is too big. Then we have other people who tell us, same week, your church is not big enough. It doesn't offer me all the things in my family that I need. Your church is not big enough. There are some people who want to go to a big, big church because there's no accountability. You can slip in and check your spiritual card and slip out, and there's no accountability. So understand, the church is a community of people who have joined together in loving fellowship because they are all have something in common. They are born again. The word community means to, to share a place intimately with others. To share a place intimately with others. To go to a church for years and know nobody and get involved in nothing, you're not part of the community. You're not, part of that. You're not exercising your right and gift as a member of the Lord's church because the word community means to share a place intimately with others. God has called the church to be a community who follows Jesus and experiences his transforming life together. I like to say it this way. The local church is a community of faith within a community of darkness. The local church is a community of faith within a community of darkness. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. He's talking to the church. You are the light of the world. We need to be the light of this city. We, along with other churches in this city, need to be a light in this city. We ought to be different. We ought to have a different spirit. We ought to have a different vision. We ought to have a different attitude about life than people in this city. We are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but, but on a lampstand and gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Why are we doing the um, sound the alarm? Why, why, why did we volunteer our church to do the sound of the alarm and, and asking our people to give uh, four or five hours on a Saturday when all of our people, every one of them for the most part, are busy and Saturday morning might be the only day of rest they have? And yet here we are signing up and inviting people and encouraging people to give their Saturday morning to do that. Why are we doing that? We are doing that to be a light in this community. And notice what he says, verse 16. Let your light shine before men. Let your light shine before men. Notice he didn't say, don't just be a Christian and go to church. He says, you have to let your light shine before men. And if we let our light shine before men, it's when we get in the darkness. People only see your light when you get into their darkness. So we can't stand in here like most Pentecostal churches. Pentecostal churches are tra traditionally, they huddle with their four and no more. They prophesy over one another. They shout and sing better than anybody. But then when the church service is over, they, it's over. Okay? That's, we're shining our light in the light. We're shining our light in the light instead of shining our light in the darkness. Notice he says, let your light shine before men so that they may see your what? Your good works. So that's the reason we're doing sound the alarm and going into homes and helping put up... Um, uh, smoke detectors. You say, what does that have to do with the New Testament? Well, your spirit that you carry in that home might be the first Christian spirit that's been inside those doorways in years. And you carry your spirit of Christ into that home. We encourage you, if you, if you can help us on that Saturday morning, I guarantee you'll be more changed than the people would. One of the main ways we are lights to the world and demonstrate God's love to our community is loving one another. We get involved in our community, shine our light in the darkness, but also we get along with one another. There's nothing worse than a church that's in a fight. Amen. Nothing worse. It's a black eye to the kingdom of God. It's an embarrassment to the church, and it's a shame to those people. Shame. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. Look at John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment, Jesus says, I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men... All men, by this all will know that you are my disciples. How will they know we're his disciples? By loving one another. Getting along with one another if you have love for one another. Here's a good one. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. 1 Corinthians 1, 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. Love one another. Get along with one another. Enjoy one another. Live in harmony with one another. Let there be no divisions in the church. No divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. No divisions. United in thought and purpose. Let me, let me tell you, as a, I, I've been raised in this thing. I, I mean, my granddad was... Pentecostal preacher and I was raised on the front row 
I was raised on. We didn't have nurseries. We had pads underneath the pew. We didn't have no nursery. We had a pad under the pew. You took your little toys and put, Mom put me under the pad underneath the pew. And we didn't have church for an hour. We had church for three hours, four hours. And if you got loud underneath that pew, that's back when women used to, they didn't wear no blue jeans to church. You, you had to dress up in a suit and tie if you were a man. And women wore dresses. And the Pentecostal church, you had your hair in buns. It stood way up here. And she had high heels on. And I've had that high heel take my leg or my arm out. I've left church bruised before because if I got to play with my toys, that heel would come back. Come back and catch me. And we have a tendency to think in Pentecostal churches that spiritual manifestations in a church service is a verification of spiritual maturity. But I want you to understand spiritual manifestations in a church service is not, is not a verification of spiritual maturity. We love when the Spirit of God manifests, but the Spirit of God can manifest through a donkey. So just because somebody prophesies or we have a prophecy or a message in tongues, people say, I hear this quite a lot. Well, we just don't have any gifts. We don't have any tongues and interpretation of tongues. Do we have the preaching of the Word? Do we have the, the teaching of the Word of God? Do we have worship? Do we have prayer? What else, what else do we want? If the Spirit of God manifests in other ways, wonderful. Wonderful. But if it, it, that doesn't mean a, mean a church is mature. Let me prove it to you from Scripture. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 7. Notice what Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says to the church at Corinth, to Christians. Notice what he says, 1 Corinthians 1, 7. Therefore you do not lack. He tells these Christians, these Christians at Corinth. He says, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He said, you guys, you have all the gifts in operation. You have all nine of the manifestations. You have the message in tongues. You have interpretation of tongues. You have prophecy. They're called gifts of utterance or vocal gifts. You have the power gifts, which is divine healing, working of miracles, and special faith. Those are called the power gifts. He says, you have the revelation gifts, which is discerning of spirits, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. He says all nine of them listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says you've got them all. He says you do not lack any spiritual gift. You do not lack a one. Every one of them have operated in your church from time to time, and they operate quite frequently. That's what he's saying. But then turn over to two chapters later in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 1. Notice what he says. To these same people that had all the gifts operating, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. See, spiritual manifestations doesn't, is not a verification of spiritual maturity. Everybody with me? Do we want spiritual manifestation? If the Holy Spirit wants to move, we want to give Him room to flow and room to move. But that's not what we're seeking. What we're seeking is to grow in the faith and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're seeking. Number three, the healthy church is a gathering. It's a gathering. Hebrews 10.25, And let us not neglect our meeting together, our meeting together, as some people do. 
but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The word church in the original text described a special assembly of people called out of their homes to a public meeting or a council. In fact, the word church is best translated, those called to meet together. Those called to meet together. Meeting together was a basic understanding of the early church. There's no such thing. The early church had no idea about being a Christian and not going to church meeting. That, that did not resonate with them. What do you mean you're a Christian? When do you meet? Well, we don't meet. We don't, we don't meet. Well, you're not a Christian. It, it just didn't go hand in hand with them. It didn't go hand in hand. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the, Pentecost, all the believers were meeting, were meeting together. On the day that the Holy Spirit fell on man, it happened to a group that were meeting together. All right? Acts chapter 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. We gathered with the local believers on the first day of the week. Many Christians believe that since they have a personal relationship with their Heavenly Father, they have no need for commitment to a local church. Well, I'm a Christian. I know Jesus. I don't have to go to a church. Well, many fail to understand that many of the things God has designed for their lives can only be received through a living connection with others in the local church. When we gather... With our spiritual family, there are supernatural gifts that are exercised. Revelations presented, spiritual practices that we participate in, and ministry that we receive that is not available when we're not with our spiritual family. Number four, the healthy church has a creed. Has a creed. A creed is a set of beliefs that are designed to shape one's thinking spiritually. While we may have our own ideas about music and movie and politics and food, to be a healthy church, the members must be committed to a set of biblical beliefs. Every healthy church has non-negotiables. Every healthy church has non-negotiables. A set of beliefs that serve as our foundation and our core. For example, the Bible is the inerrant Word of God. That's what we believe. The Bible is God's Word. It is profitable for teaching, for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. What's another non-negotiable? Jesus is the Son of God. That's a non-negotiable. We believe He was deity. We believe He was the Son of God, came and took on human flesh and lived a sinless life as a man. That's what we believe. What else do we believe? We believe there's only one way to heaven. You can't get there through Buddha. You can't get there through Muhammad. You can't get there through Confucius. We only believe there's one. You say, well, you're not tolerant. That's exactly right. We're not tolerant. We're not tolerant. We're not tolerant of false religions. We're not tolerant. Those are non-negotiable. You can believe that all you want to. We'll still love you, but we're not going to agree that that is the way to, to heaven. There's only one way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That's a non-negotiable, and every local church must have some non-negotiables. You're seeing churches split and whole denominations fall apart because they have walked away from their non-negotiables. 
they have are now accepting things in their church that at one time was a non-negotiable. We're not going to accept that. There's no, now they're accepting it, and whole groups of them are walking away. They're scattered because they say, what's true and what's not true? We used to believe this was true. Now you're changing, the, you're changing everything on us. So every healthy church has a creed. I shared with you last week, if you didn't get one of these, uh, I don't know if we have any left, but last week I had these printed out, and if I can get you some more if you want one of these. These are the 16 biblical truths that we believe as a local church. The 16 biblical truths. Now, it doesn't say anywhere in here that you can't wear ear bobs, all right? It doesn't say that anywhere. When I was growing up, they used to say that. You can't wear ear bobs, all right? doesn't say anywhere you can't go to the movies. Probably needs to, but it doesn't say it anywhere. There ain't a whole lot at the movies worth watching anymore. All right, so, uh, but it doesn't say that. doesn't say anywhere that women can't wear slacks. We're talking about biblical beliefs right here. doesn't say that women can't cut their hair. Okay, doesn't say any of that stuff. All right, we're talking about biblical beliefs. Number five, and then we'll quit with this one. You say, oh, I thought there's seven. Well, I'm tired. Number five. <laughs> the healthy church is organized. The healthy church is organized. You hear it all the time. Well, I'm not into organized religion. Listen, heaven and the new heavens is an organized place. If heaven, where we're going to spend eternity, is an organized place, don't you think God wants his local church organized as well? Look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, showed me the holy city. John's talking here. He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall. This is where we're going to spend eternity. This is where we'll spend eternity. Now notice how organized this place is. It has a great high wall with 12 gates. And with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. That's organized. Very balanced. The wall on the city had twelve foundations. And on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its wall. The city was laid out like a square. A square. This is where we're going to spend eternity. This is how orderly God is. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. It was as long as it was wide. It was a perfect square. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and as high as it is long. You say, well, how much is that? 1,500 miles wide. 1,500 miles long. 1,500 miles high. Our eternal home is going to be 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles breadth, depth, long, length, and 1,500 miles high. This city is going to be with levels. 1,500 miles high. Think about, think about how far 1,500 miles is. That's going to be one city. And God created it just that way. He says here in verse number uh, uh, 17, The angel measured the wall using human measurement, and it was 144 cubics thick. 
The wall was made of jasper, the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundation of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby. That's me, January, ruby. The seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jasus, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. A solid pearl. One gate, one solid pearl. What kind of oyster had that? Each gate made of a single pearl. That's a humongous oyster. I hadn't seen him on Deadliest Catch yet. I hadn't seen him. The great the street of the city was gold, as pure as transparent glass. Listen, if heaven and our eternal home is so organized, why would God's church on earth operate otherwise? Today, many people reject organized religion. I understand that. I understand it. Because of the elaborate rituals and the control structures of many denominations. Many people adhere to the idea that following Jesus is merely a personal matter but that's not what God's Word says. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says this, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. And then verse 40 of the same chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40, Everything should be done fitting or decent and in an orderly way. The Greek word decent there, comes from two root words. The first word means good quality, and the second word is where we get our word scheme, which means a well-formed plan. I'll close with this. The Lord is telling us all things in the local church are supposed to be developed according to a well-formed plan of high quality. And we Pentecostals have become the world's worst at jacklegging and rigging stuff just to get by. We are the world's worst. Everything we've done here in this building, we've run into problems that were rigged to get by. That's not God's plan. God expects everything to be done of good quality and have a well If it's not excellent, we're not going to do it. If it's not excellent, we're not going to expect His church to be a well-oiled, good quality. Stand with me, would you?